everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Civ Show Podcast, where we suck so you don't have to. I'm your host, Moisas. Yeah, and Nystagmus. Yeah, I was wondering if uh, we're just gonna have a pause. Uh, uh, just he's inside Mo's tavern right now, apparently. So yeah, apparently he's getting hammered in there with with Homer, man. I wish I could go in there with Homer. <laughs> so that'd be an awesome experience, man. It'd be really good. So yeah, so he may join us a little bit later, but uh, how was Sunday? My 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 wacky game I came up with, guys. Bro, oh, I had so much fun on Sunday. I that was probably one of the more fun games I've played on the Sim Show. Which is crazy to think about. But oh. I thrive off chaos. So I'm a little different than most people. So, you know, put me in. Okay, con- context. Sorry, sorry. Nystagmus, can you give the listeners some context right. to what the game was? So we decided to start kind of doing some more kind of wacky original ideas for win conditions. Since it's very hard for us to get to a win screen in, in our game, especially in one session, right? So... What we decided to do was I made up my own win condition and I'm going to take advantage of some of the game modes. And so we were playing on Apocalypse game mode and it was called some people just want to see the whole world burn. And the point of the game was to pollute as much as possible. And the person who had the biggest carbon footprint at the end of the game and I said an arbitrary cutoff. I did say it was after three comets hit cities, but we decided just to go to the end. But whoever had the highest um, carbon footprint at the end um, would be deemed the winner. During that game, I, I, I'm the one who came up with it, and I came in last place. Um, and so, which was, you know, I was, uh, I was environmentally friendly. I was a conscientious objector to the my own game idea. That's that's my that's my story. How many um, how many industrial zones did you build? Just one, I would assume one in every city, right? Yeah, there was one in every city. How many cities did you have, roughly? Uh. I ran out of space, and then they were also like quickly destroyed by comets. But um, I had six cities. Whoa! You only had six. I ran out of space because yeah, Zoe yeah, was on yeah. my continent. Wow! No kidding. Yeah, man, I had a whole continent to myself, and I got monumentality in the oh, classical era. See, and so I just the person who was on the continent by themselves won the game again somehow it must be a coincidence that that's happening <laughs> okay well if i wasn't on a continent by myself i would have recruited probably a lot more soothsayers and just like every turn just popping out tornadoes and hurricanes and tsunamis Honestly, and blah there's like one thing i would change and there's like one way where you can cheese that game is is just go a faith game and just keep on spamming soothsayers because like you can build up a pretty high carbon footprint just by using the soothsayers. Yeah. And I'm I'm actually surprised you didn't spam that as much as you did. Like you did it at first and then you kind of stopped, right? But I caught up mainly because not because I had coal power plants, because I kept building soothsayers and I kept just <laughs> using them in my at the end of the game, I was using soothsayers in my own land just to build up my carbon footprint. I yeah I I I started to go yeah to like the very south where I didn't have many cities and I was just creating blizzards uh, by the end. But no, at the beginning I wasn't using them so much. In the middle of the game is probably where I used them the most. That was one of the appease the gods challenges. Uh, since Scyth- I was playing Scythia, and so since Scythia can make two horsemen right away, 
whenever they make a light horseman, it was so easy for me to make a ho- one horse to spawn and then and then combine them to a core and then sacrifice the core, which is more strength. Carbon footprint was going up like crazy because every turn I was sacrificing at least three units every single turn. Three units, three units, three units, three units. And that was how I got my carbon footprint up. And that was how I took advantage of the soothsayers. I, I didn't really create like a crazy amount of natural disasters. Eventually, by the end of the game, I said, screw it. And I started to send some soothsayers your your guys way. And I just started using it everywhere. So like Milta, you guys noted was like falling apart. That's because I was creating a volcano explosion like every turn. <laughs> yeah. I figured it was you doing that, but I was actually surprised. Like normally I get hit with a lot of disasters in Apocalypse Mode. Mine wasn't really all that bad. Um, I had a I had a volcano that remained dormant for like the vast majority of the game. Wow. Um, and so I was pretty surprised. It was on it was on Apocalypse Mode too. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, that's the one thing I would change for the game again if if we ever went back. Um, primordial would have so, been a good map for that oh yeah yeah probably retrospect um, i probably would have done primordial and maybe high sea level just so that we would get more like crazy flooding and stuff and just make it oh my like, god more... dude <laughs> yeah like because the whole point was just everything's just to just burn down right all By your cities are just getting what? flooded over like crazy um, oh my god i lost half my cities to comets right like i thought at first the game was like oh they're gonna pick on boy and then I found out, oh, wait, because Moy has like 20 cities. So like it's obviously going to be like biased towards him. But I only had six cities. I still lost 50% of them. Uh, yeah, to you, so. you still lost a lot. But yeah, like I since I had the whole continent, it's just like a odds game, right? Chances are, like if a comet were to land on Earth, chances are it's going to land in Russia, right? It's the biggest country. It's the biggest yeah. target to hit. So it's, it's, that was that's what happened to me. I was just the biggest target. I lost... I want to say five cities to comets. I think. Yeah, I lost three, but I didn't. Have, I I only had six cities to begin with, right? So, um, and so yeah, I I'm glad you guys had fun with it. I was just trying to think of something wacky, you know. Um, I know that everyone who's like you know watching the game and stuff like that, or seeing like the same kind of strategies and stuff like that. I just wanted to throw like a wrench into it and be like, okay, man, you know the whole apocalypse mode thing. No, you're not going to try to avoid carbon footprint. You're going to try to like purposely pollute the planet as much as possible and get us to like the level seven disaster as fast as you possibly can and live with it, live with their consequences at that point. Uh, so this is Zo sends a uh, text of what his thoughts on the game were. So here's a uh, reading from Zo. Do, 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 do. Comets <laughs> crashing to the ground and ending entire cities really brought us together as hosts. After you lose the first city, the rest are not upsetting. They are just hilarious. That, that, that's from Zoe. That, those are his thoughts. <laughs> yeah, the, there is an inflection point where it stops getting frustrating. It just starts getting like pretty funny. You just laugh at it, basically. Yeah. Well, we all knew it was coming, too. So it's like, yeah, you're probably going to lose one, at least one of your cities. And the other thing, too, is I, I wanted to create a game where like it kind of just became like a wacky fun thing where people didn't get like frustrated about certain things. And um, and so because, you, you know, if, if the game's goal is not to, like, get to an end screen, it's just to pollute. Well, if a volcano erupts and destroys your campus for, like, the third time, why are you going to get so upset about it, right? The whole game is still to pollute, like, not to really get science, right? Right. Now, science helps because it gets you to industrialization and you can pollute, but um, with coal power plants and stuff like that. Um, I would have liked to, like, if we played longer enough, I would like to see if we could have gotten to, like, nukes 
I was almost the there, seat. man. I was very close, <laughs> which is crazy to think about because I didn't build that many campuses, but I just had such high population in so many cities that my science was actually not terrible. It was like 150 or something like that. I, don't yeah, know, I, don't I felt exactly. I felt like super behind. Um, I had like a natural wonder that was basically helping me keep up. I, I It took me a while to build my first campus. And I know you guys were dealing with like a lot of barbarians too, right? At the beginning. I think both you and Zach. Uh, yeah, I had, I had some, I had a lot of issues with some barbarians because I would, I didn't want to build any units, man. I'm lazy. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm just going to go straight in uh, straight sim. I don't, I refuse. Yeah. So I think like this is a cool little thing that I know that next week is because boy one is yeah. going to be is his choice. We'll see. We'll, we'll hear about that soon. But, uh, having like wacky ideas to take advantage of all the um because really to be honest right and i know we kind of had a conversation about this already before now like when you buy civ and have all these game modes you really have like a bunch of different types of games like it's the same 4x strategy game but like vanilla is like a totally different game now than than even playing with just one of the game modes and then you have like you have six what six different game modes now seven, um and so i think seven so like what does that mean? Like um, 49. It's something like <clears throat> over 80 different possible combinations, right? Um, that you can have. I, sure. Um, I don't know the math, but yeah. Why not? Oh, no, it's 40. It's like 49 or something like that. I think that so like because if you have more than t- two or three game modes on, it gets kind of ridiculous. But with like Hero- Heroes and Legends completely changes the dynamic of what you have to do. Beowulf is just like super strong. So is Arthur. Right, all the heroes change like strategies and stuff. Kamiko is incredible. Uh, yeah, Sinbad is ended just up like, being in crazy. Yeah, tech and shuffle. And then you have like Nomopolis and Corporations, which add its own. Nomopolis and Corporations is a pretty fun, nice little thing. I like it how it just like increases your yields like crazy, but it doesn't really impact much else past that. So like, it just makes the game go faster. Um, yeah, yeah. The thing I don't like about Monopolies is definitely the tourism modifier that it has. If they took that out. I think I'd be really happy with monopolies. I think it's because like, especially the first week, like we had to turn off culture victory because it was too strong. It was too much. I feel like it still is kind of too much. They nerfed it. Yeah, they nerfed it a little bit though. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Culture victories, they shouldn't be that easy. Like I wish the thing with like these game modes is that I wish that they don't affect a win condition directly. So they can boost your yields, but when something directly affects a win condition, it, that's where it kind of gets tough. But then like Heroes and Legends too, it's like, oh, you can just get Beowulf and kill everybody and have a domination victory. Yes, yes, it's true. But like, I don't know, like I, I feel like that tourism bonus kind of ruined it for me, at least personally. Oh, uh, so Carl says uh, the tourism modifier was bugged when the mode was first released and we fixed the bug, which put the numbers back to where they're supposed to be. So yeah, actually, I agree. Like, I don't think it's as crazy as because before it was like it was insane. Yeah, it was, but, insane. Um, it was like 1500 percent tourism bonus yeah, or something like that. It was crazy. Um, but I don't really mind. I mind that. I don't, like I, I think it's cool because it, I, I think the game modes are meant to modify like what win conditions you would go for irrespective of the sieve that you're playing with. Like yeah. it's suddenly like here's the legends makes like suddenly the domination victory possible with like anyone you could be anyone and have heroes and somehow be a dominant <laughs> now right yeah um and monopolies and corporations same thing like you can take a non-culture civ and win a culture victory with them 
just because the you can just focus more on the corporations and get the tourism modifier that your Civ doesn't have naturally, but now is in part of the game mode. Um, and then other Civ modes like Apocalypse is just basically survival. Like I like how some of them are like just survivalist game modes, like Apocalypse mode, and then Zombie and Barbarian Clans, mm-hmm. um, where like it's basically like yeah, you survived, and that's like winning. <laughs> um, and some other ones are just basically like okay, how can you how how can you get to a sub two hundred culture victory now? Right. Um, basically, yeah. with with monopolies and corporations and stuff like that. So it also comes still comes down to like the role, right? So. You, how what yields you get still depends on what resources you get, which ones you can turn them into luxuries. In some games, you have to actually fight people to try to get like the monopoly. Like you need the monopoly, yep. right? And in some resources, it's really hard to get the monopoly. Sometimes it's stupid. Like it gets like you get like three of them, and then like all the only three in the entire world were like right next to you, and you somehow got a monopoly that way. And then other ones are like ridiculous, like pearls. You, there's like twenty pearls on the map or something like that. I learned something about that. So usually there's four luxury resources per continent, but that doesn't apply to sea resources. And so whenever there's pearls, it's not limited to one continent. It's actually all over the world. So that's why there's always a ridiculous amount of pearls in order to get a monopoly. Fun fact. There you go. So I think it should just be like a mod in the game where if you get a monopoly on pearls, you just win. Cause somehow like, I don't know how you got, I don't know how you got control of the monopoly of, of the pearls, right? Like, um, <laughs> If you got it does get weird, like, pearls, you probably own 80% of yeah, the everything. Like <laughs> But that's the that's the thing. Like, um, so it's kind of like the role. Or if you play with heroes and legends and then have monopolies and corporations, you can have like one of the heroes who can make resources somehow make you a monopoly. Like I know it's a roll of the dice still and it's hard to do, but it's still like a cool little quirk to the game, right? Where yeah, I remember who- I remember that was in the patch notes that Maui would only spawn luxury resources that were already present on the continent so they fixed that where like yeah he can't spawn like you know uh turtles all of a sudden and like that's the only turtle in the game like no yeah it's not no no but what i mean is like it can still be on the continent but just say you split the continent with somebody and they have two of something and you have two of something you get maui you can make the third one and then now there's five and now you have the majority of of the three right yeah then you get one more, right. then you have and a monopoly. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's cool little things like that. So like, there's just so many different facets to the game that you have to think about, um, just with all these different game modes, right? So, um, like kudos, like I know that we 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 were complaining about the tourism bug and stuff like that, it's but the amount of the amount of like it's hard to make. Yeah, the I amount of math that, that must go into it. this to make these like playable and not be like, because imagine like remember when you were like a kid, you tried to make your own board game. I think we've all done that at some point, right? how balanced were your board games ever never balanced (laughs) because you sucked at making board games right but yeah the amount of work that has to go into these different game modes that completely change the dynamics of the game and still make it playable and 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 even though we can find exploits there exploits and everything right but the fact that you have to find the exploit is the is the um part of the fun too right because if the but the work to make it so the exploits aren't like obvious um, means that the, like how much work went into the game to make sure it was still playable, right? And make sure it was still playable on every single one of the possible combinations you can have of all the different game modes that can possibly be put together, right? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Like, yes, we like to rag on things. We like to rag that Canada has a Mountie. <laughs> we like to rag that like corp- monopolies and corporations gives a tourism bonus. Like, yes, but 
it's so e everybody's a critic. It's so easy to say something's bad or say something's good. Like it's so easy to say to you, you consume it and so like, you have an opinion. But it's hard to make it. It's hard to make it out of scratch, right? Yeah. And what to quote one of our favorite shows on this is which is you know we always quote the Simpsons, right? Which is God lets you grow up for a reason to find fault in everything He's created. <laughs> <laughs> and, so it's kind of like human nature to do that. But like, yeah, kudos to, to developers for giving us like all these awesome game modes to play out and find all these little weird, quirky things for the next little bit. Do you I don't know if you were like fully aware of this because I know like you're, you're a super busy guy. Um, when the TSL huge earth map or rather just the, when the huge earth map came out on the mini map or not the mini map, but the preview of the map. You know how like when you're selecting a map, you see a little preview of like Pangea and yeah. continents. There's a little preview of what would be Atlantis. It's it's in the Atlantic Ocean, east or west of, of, of Europe. And people were freaking out. What is this landmass? Is Atlantis in the game? They go into the game, there's nothing there. And so people are thinking, oh, you have to summon Atlantis. There's probably something you gotta do to summon Atlantis. And in the dev stream, freaking Carl plays this off so well and uh, he like somebody asked like what is this atlantis in the minimap like what's going on and he goes i don't know and he points to four islands and so little old me being like oh, i'm a genius i know what he's talking about i want to do this like oh, this is amazing i go over right away i log in the game i get void singers because like it has to be attached to void singers right i get void singers because somebody else in the stream said oh it's really fun to play with secret societies so i'm like okay it has to do with secret societies what is what is what is it uh, so I went voice singers didn't work. I went vampires try to put a castle on every single one of those that didn't work either. So then I was like, I think this is a troll. I'm like, I don't think this is real. Um, and I started to get really upset and I'm like, damn it, Carl, you son of a gun. <laughs> like you can dance, dance, puppets, dance. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sad. That wasn't a real thing. I thought it would have been really cool if it was real. I don't know how I, I would have done it, but it would have been cool. I think there are a lot of games where like, developers will tease things like that just to see people just waste hundreds of hours to try to like figure it out and try to get the exploit for it or something like that like even even in like real-time strategy games and stuff like that like uh just to figure out how to like mess with other people right so um i know i, I remember that like we were saying that, i'm like yeah they're not gonna put like, atlantis in, in in the game like it's just <laughs> it's just an to me i saw it as like an easter egg like that's how yeah, i like yeah like that that's how and I, I saw nothing past that i was like it's an Easter egg. There's no like hidden code that like you put things magically and the stars align and then Atlantis um, uh, pops up or something like that. But like I thought it was just like a little Easter egg basically. Um, but but uh, as a the, content creator, you know, it's like you, you got to find it. Like, yeah, I got to find it. I got to make a video on this. I got to milk the views. You know what I mean? Like that that's such a good video. I, f I found Atlantis yeah. in Civ 6, right? Like that's <laughs> that's massive. And so I, I spent so many hours. I more than and, I'm uh, willing Groovy, to admit. <laughs> and Groovy mentions uh, Doggerland map. So there's Doggerland. That's a lost continent that used to be in in uh, um, you know uh, the the Stone Age basically. Uh, what about New Zealandia, right? Which is like the largest continent that's underwater right now. Um, so that's another big continent you can have too. Um, and so I I like to see like um, them to make and, and you know free idea for Carl if he's, if he's listening, which is huge earth maps for like different periods of earth's geological history, even during the human era, because oh, earth's geography has changed quite a bit. So Doggerland 
was basically the that connected England to the rest of Europe, but it flooded when the ice caps melted. Okay. So when the ice caps were frozen, our our sea levels were actually about a hundred feet um, lower than they are today. Um, wow, and so there's hundred feet, dude. That's significant. Yeah. Holy crap. Well, you have to remember the the ice shelf in North America stretched to Kentucky and buried basically all of Canada under like three miles of ice. Okay. Um, and you so, say remember, but I can't remember something I've never known. So oh well. I'll, I'm just trying to remember my like high school geography, right? So like, <laughs> I didn't um, learn so, this in high school, man. <laughs> I don't know what you learned. Um, and I so math. there's actually another phenomenon that's actually ongoing. So when when the ice sheets are on top of the continent, the weight of the ice actually pushes the plate down, right? Okay. And so when the ice melts, it subluxes back up, and it actually takes like thousands of years to occur. Oh. So it's still happening. So it's the the, okay. the plates are actually moving upwards still. Um, it's, I, I know they mentioned in there. Yeah, I know, Goofy. I'm one step ahead of you. Yeah, you were. Um, I, I was in my head, though. I, I, <laughs> I didn't steal it from you. Like, I just want to see like that kind of cool stuff, like New, New Zealandia, um, um, one where like the Bering Strait is still exists or something like that. Um, or uh, you can do like the dawn of the Ice Age, which is like have ice caps on the, on the map. And, and as you go through the ages, like the ice caps recede. I was like just give thinking, you new yeah, areas yeah, yeah, yeah. so that would be kind of cool too a dynamic um, so, map right that would be so like kind of like if atlantis did exist and they had to make it a dynamic map that adapted to whatever happened right what what's placed and like i guess as you progress through if they kind of keep with this era based system uh what if the map changes as the era goes so like you can even have it where it's kind of exciting, where it's a random event, a random pool of like 50 events that happens whenever an era changes and it's just roll the dice and then you have to adapt to whatever happens. So it's an ice age this era. Everyone has to deal with everyone living in Tundra. Tundra's all over the map. You're like, crap, right? It's kind of like almost like that golden age, dark age, but instead of it being empire, empire to empire, it's more like an entire world having to adapt to its surroundings. Mm. I, I don't know. I think it'd be cool. It's interesting. Well, it's interesting. You can have, you can have like different disaster levels. Like, so right now the way apocalypse mode works is the, the climate will change over time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they have individual disasters like mega colossal eruption, catastrophic eruption. Right. Yeah. Well, it would be kind of cool if some of those eruptions, like in, so in real life, when you have a mega colossal eruption, a lot of times it will change the world's climate for a few decades yeah it changes like so, the atmosphere yeah 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 so what happened was like when people talk about like what's the worst year in human history to live and they think that it's about 535 a.d there's a huge eruption in iceland that caused a lot of crop failures all across the mediterranean um the actual global temperature decreased by a couple degrees for about 10 years um and so what you could happen is have like all these eruptions that occur at once like they do sometimes and then um they can that cause a lot of like famines all across the world, all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so it just changes the temperature and, and, and the tundra will extend for a few turns and then recede as the, uh, as the temperature normalizes again, that'd be kind of cool. You know, I don't know that that's going to be for Civ six. That'd be for Civ seven. So, I guess, yeah, but, that's a Civ seven um, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that, so that would be kind of cool to do too. Just like more things that now granted, you may want to be, have that as a mode that can be turned on because, when you want also something like the the developers are going to have to want to balance things between that and competitive play. And when you do more of this stuff that we're talking about, it really makes competitive play like not fair yeah, that's because true. like random that's stuff's going to happen. That's not fair and just destroys you. And then you can't win because of like random stuff. 
Um, and so whenever you have more random stuff, then it makes competitive play feel less That's fair. special. That's fair. But, but like they've never focused on competitive play before, so I'm curious if they will. Uh, I, I, all I no, can I really just think, ask I think for is servers, they're gonna, like dedicated servers. But yeah, They're going to keep it in mind now, I think. So I think that's how you can toggle them. You can kind of do it now in Civ 6, so you can turn the disaster modes up and down. You can change the sea level. You can make it like New Age... Yeah, regular you can, yeah, why not? Age, yeah, just change the right? disaster level, kind of keep it like that, where you, they can just turn it down if it's a competitive environment, and then like as a casual, it's like you can turn it up or just leave it as normal. Yeah, a, so I think that would be kind of cool. So just dynamic climates and stuff like that, um or even like over the course of because we started like what ten thousand BC, right? Four thousand BC. Um, oh, four thousand. Okay, uh because if you started like in the Bronze Age, right, the the climates changed dramatically since then. The, the area of the Euphrates River in Iraq, that used to be called the Fertile Crescent for a reason. It was mostly green. Um, and now it's gotten drier over the last like few millennia. Um, and so that would be kind of cool if like, things change a little bit more dynamically. And so even though you choose a great start now, that, cannot, that may not always be the case. You may have to like, I don't know. I think it just something like that would be cool. Just say it out loud. <laughs> I'd be, no, I, I get it. That's, that's, that's cool. I, I'd be interested to know since you know there's been other 4x kind of games very similar to historical 4x is probably what i should narrow it down to games that came out humankind and old world being the two significant ones and both of those contain more story driven elements than it's civ than civ so they're like an event happens and you need to choose an outcome and the outcome has a I get well a no come right so like it affects your empires in different ways you can have more loyalty you can have more money you can have more production more growth or less growth whatever right i'm curious to see if civ 7 will take a similar approach since i since they know even that their competition is doing something similar so i wonder if it already was in the works for civ 7 i wonder if they are now considering that sort of game style of story-driven historical civilizations. Um, Something I really like about Humankind is that you don't pick one civilization. You kind of progress through the era and pick different civilizations as it progresses. So, like, you start with, like, Babylon, right? Because that was, like, an ancient era thing. And then as you move to the classical era, you can stick with Babylon. Like, you have that option. Or you can change to, like, Persia, Macedon, Rome, right? You, like, those, the people who, like, really existed in that era and who thrived in that era. And then you can, like, as you go into, like, the modern era, you can pick, like, America, Canada, whatever. I, I kind of like that about humankind. I, I don't think Civ will do it because Civ is so known for picking one Civ, one leader. I don't think they'll do that. Yeah, but and historical, I just right? Think like, that, yeah, and I, but I, I just, I like that part of humankind. And I know Civ won't do it, and that's fine. Civ isn't known for that, and that's totally cool. I'm just kind of curious. I'm so curious what Civ 7 is going to look like. Like it, it's like, but the difference between five and six was so drastic that people hated six. They're like, this is too different. I don't like it. And, and so I'm, I'm so curious how Civ 7 is going to be like, I like new things. So I'm very excited for Civ 7 and I will enjoy Civ 7. I will learn it. I will well, enjoy it. That's their formula anyway, right? You know, the yeah. one third old, one third new one, like, like, You're, removed improved the between, and added. the difference between yeah. civ 4 like i i think the difference between civ 4 and civ 5 was probably bigger than between civ 5 and civ yeah. 6 yeah oh yeah the cases. hexagon system or the, the yeah. whatever yeah hexagon no system. stacking all that yeah. stuff right 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, that just happens with every iteration of the game. Expect Civ 7 not to look like Civ 6, basically, right? Like, if you're expecting it to, then you're going to be either really happy or really disappointed because, um, <laughs> right? Like, my expectation is going to be different, right? Like, uh, it's a totally different game. Civ 6 has turned into a totally different, different game in its own right, just based on, like, how they're coming up with the new game modes and all that stuff. Right. And honestly, with the success, or I would argue success, of the 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 frontier pass um that they may do something similar to that like where it starts with like a goal in mind like where they will release new stuff oh i hope that, so that change that changes the game um as time goes on right so even the same um sub 7 game that you get um isn't the same by the time like you know the life the lifespan of the game is is put out right i definitely think that the new frontier pass was a trial i think that they were not going to do it originally Right, like on on the inception of Civ Six, when the, on the release date, like twenty what twenty sixteen or something like that. Yeah, twenty sixteen. They probably didn't think about the new frontiers. They hundred percent thought about the the two DLCs because they always release two DLCs for every single game since like three, right? So they thought about Gathering Storm. They thought about Rise and Fall. They might not have known the mechanics yet. They might have, but. They know they're going to release two DLCs. So that's why the New Frontier Pass was a complete shock. I was like, oh, there's a third one. What? And so I, I think it's, it's, it's them, it, it was them experimenting about how a season's pass would, would work in civilization. You have games like Fortnite, games like Call of Duty, Fall Guys. So many games are having season's passes now. So every season, whatever they claim is a season, whether it's three months, one month, a year, in, in Civ's case, a year of all this new content that comes out. And this, uh, this new Frontier Pass was an experiment. How could we make it work? And it made it work, right? It got great success from, from content creators like ourselves, but also the, re- like the regular community that just wants to play the game. It had high success. I don't think any of the previous DLCs had this much success, in New Frontier Pass. Everybody liked New Frontier Pass. Everyone thought it was well-priced. Everyone enjoyed the entire experience of having new civilizations every other month and a, a new update every single month. It kept the game fresh. It was, it, like, it, it, you kept coming back to it. Every time you sat down, it was a new game because it's like, oh, there's something new to learn now. There's something new to learn. There's something new to learn. And so yeah. I think with Civ 7, I think they're going to carry that. They're 100% going to carry this forward uh, and they're going to make seasons passes so i think it's going to be like a seasons pass a dlc which is going to be i don't know if it's just going to be like game mechanics or if it's going to be game mechanics and civs or if the the seasons passes are basically going to be like if you buy the seasons pass it's basically the dlc so new mechanics plus the new civs that are going to come out in the future i think that's probably what's going to happen that's my prediction for well, Civ 7 now it's in the vod and we'll find out if you're right in like two years when Civ 7 comes out it's just if i if i were if, if i was making Civ 7 that's what i would do right because i think it satisfies the customer and it satisfies myself as a business person trying to make money right you're happy i'm happy I, like you can't you can't blame a company for trying to make money they're they're a business right they're this is how they make their game. They make money and they can make a game. If you blame a business, oh, they're just trying to take your money. Well, yeah, they're trying to make a game, dude. They're trying to make a living. <laughs> you can't blame them. 
some are a little bit more greedy than others, I will admit. But uh, there's a right way and wrong way to do it. I think Civ has definitely taken the right way. They started off probably not the right way with like individual Civ releases. That didn't go very well, but they've definitely progressed and learned from their mistakes. And here we are now, all enjoying the new Frontier Pass. Still, to this day, enjoying the new Frontier Pass with all the new game modes. And we're just looking forward to Civ 7. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant like that. I, I No, that's not a rant. It, it was not a rant. Uh, Zoe rants. Uh, Moy educates. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> uh, like with that. all that being said, we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to the next Sunday's game. So, Moy, I am very, very interested to learn what's in store for Sunday. I haven't chosen the sieves yet, but there's been some really good suggestions. So I'm going to save that until actually on Sunday uh, because I haven't decided yet. But I know what the game mode is going to be. And I probably know like a few sieves that are going to be included, but some of them are up in the air. And so I want to do a full religion game. I want to do uh, like I don't want any war. There's going to be absolutely zero war. I want to include a mod actually called religions expanded so this will ensure that everybody gets religion so even if you play a tiny map with a max of four people four people will get a religion and that's totally exactly what i want so nobody's left out uh then there's they add in some new beliefs that you can try out if you want to try it out but the ultimate goal is whoever has the most converted cities at the end of the game wins it doesn't matter if they're your own cities or somebody else's cities. If you if if you own 10 cities and 10 cities is all you've converted and that's the most amount, congratulations, you win. Like that's the rule. I don't care how many foreign cities, how many domestic total amount of cities, doesn't matter. Russia's probably going to be included in this for sure. I feel like that's an obvious one. So whoever gonna get, whoever yeah. gets Russia is going to get a pretty good bonus, but they're going to have some competition with them as well. There's been some debates that Byzantium should be in there. I know that war can't be declared, but Byzantium gets a passive plus five, I believe, bonus to theological combat. And so their apostles are just better at killing things. So that's a, that you can debate that they could be included in there. Then you have Kamir. Uh, Kamir can be debated in there too because they generated a ton of faith with all their population. Uh, I say, say Moy gets Congo. Just... Hilarious. You're hilarious, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Do you, you get paid for your comedy? Wow, dude. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Ethiopia, you can debate them. The Rock Hewn churches are really good. Um, I'm seeing in the chat right now from Guru Poland, Saladin, Kinshi. Kinshi Huang? Really? What, what about Kinshi Huang? I don't, I don't know about that one. I think we're going to opt out China. Saladin, you get science to faith, and I don't really know if that really, I don't know if that really like has a huge faith gain. I don't think I'll include. I don't think I'm going to Poland either. I'm going to be wondering what's going to happen here because you said war is not allowed, so really any military units you would build would only be to kill barbarians, right? Um, Yeah. And and that's it. Um, And so, wow, yeah, it's that's interesting. Um, So see a lot of theological combat. Like, yeah, theological combat. So you're, we're, we're going to have apostles. We're going to have so missionaries, in case you didn't know, missionaries cannot initiate theological combat. They can defend against it. They're not very good at defending against it, but they cannot initiate. A, inquisitors can initiate and apostles can initiate. And that's it. Yeah. So inquisitors are, are weaker than apostles. Apostles are king. They're, they're the best. 
And then gurus are healers. So they have three charges, I believe, and they heal adja everybody adjacent to it. So if you have like five apostles all, all surrounded one guru and they're all injured, hit the heal button and they all heal up by like 50, I think, HP. So it's going to be interesting because like nobody uses gurus because it's like, oh, it's useless. But in an, in an, in an all theological combat, you, you you can debate that. You can you can take a few gurus and like there's some wonders that you can build that might be really good, like uh, that give you the, the martyr. Right. For your, all your apostles. So you can generate some relics, get some more faith. You know, you never know. It's extra faith gen. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see the strategies. Obviously, there's wonders that people are going to be rushing to. And uh, I'm I'm really excited. I've you think, you think I'll build. Do you think I'll build Stonehenge? Yeah, I think I'll build Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> what if I build it before you? What happens? You're going to be upset. Oh, no, <laughs> no, not really. I, I just think I just like it's an inside joke. Now. I just always get ever since I stole uh, Foible's last faith. Like, <laughs> Uh, he didn't even like, see it coming because he saw I wasn't generating any great people points. I just like built Stone Edge and stole his religion. Yeah, I would be, I'd be mad at that too, to be fair. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, tune in and for then, Sunday. Yep. Yeah, and, and it's just going to... Who, who's playing? Like, um, Good question. So we have uh, myself, Zoe Nystagmus, uh, the usual three of the Civ show. And here's the kicker. It's, this is, this is a, uh, it's not a working title. This is the final title, okay? I swear to God, like we have, we have postcards, we got posters, we got everything, all this marketing material for this. It's called, ready? Van Bradley and whoever else is available month, all of August. <laughs> swear to God, that's the yeah, name of it. It works, I guess. Van Bradley and whoever else is available. We, we have, our, our name is The Civ Show. It's as simple as it gets, right? Let's keep it simple. Van Bradley and whoever else is available, August, all month long. So every Sunday, starting next week, or starting this week, I guess, technically, Van Bradley's going to be on the show. So August 1st, August 8th, August, whatever's after that. And after that, four weeks in a row, we're going to have Van Bradley on the show. I don't know my days, man. Don't laugh at me. One, okay? 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th. There's five. There's five Sundays in, in August. <laughs> Thanks yeah he's gonna be on for all five uh games there so uh that's who we uh have on the show just add seven yeah add well, seven. if it's not seven plus seven like if it's not on the sevens i i don't know so like i don't know like seven 14 21 28 35 whatever yeah so in you guys don't know like uh some of the civ show members were gonna be off and stuff like that so i got a couple weeks in august myself I, by the way you know as a Healthcare provider, it's gonna be my first vacation off since the pandemic. So um well that's earned, what I'm taking well advantage earned. of right there. So <laughs> um just need to recharge those batteries. So yeah, so that's why that's why we have uh Van Bradley on all August because Zoe and Nystagmus are gonna be in and out all of August. So uh Van Bradley has graciously stepped in. If you don't know who Van Bradley is, he is another civilization content creator who produces very good content. He even hosts the AIPL, the A Artificial Intelligence Players League, technically is what it's called, or AI Players League, where only the AI plays and he casts it. It's very entertaining. Highly recommend the content. Uh, and go out, go ahead and check out Van Bradley on Twitch and on YouTube. Certainly, and uh, I'll be excited for this game. I'm really looking forward to it. Let's do it. Uh, I think that's it. I think we, are we are we we're done. We're good. 
That's it. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm gonna be looking up how to do theological combat because I've literally never done it since like the game came out. So, oh, it's gonna be um, fun, man! It's gonna be so many lightning bolts <laughs> coming from the sky. Smite him! Smite him! Smite him! <laughs> it's very lucky you mentioned that missionaries can't do theological combat because I'm pretty sure I would have tried and then got. I know mad someone would like, <laughs> man. That's why even last game I was like explaining like, hey, by the way, like this is how this works because I want to make sure everyone's on the same page. Everyone has equal chance because I know these things because I've played the game so much, so much, and I've, I've played so many different kind of strategies and i know a lot about the game i'm not very good but i know about the game so i want to make sure everyone's on the same page you know i don't want to hear i don't want to hear that oh i didn't know that missionary was coming i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it i'm going to explain this again on sunday that it was not me i would i'm going to explain this again on sunday i don't want to hear that nobody knew anything i don't want to hear that this was unfair i want to just i just want to like have a fair fun game that no one's going to complain about by the end of the game that's all i all i wish for not throwing shade at anybody just saying there's been some people who like to complain about the game maybe in the middle of it trying to you know just uh, make sure everyone's having a good time Anyway, uh, you can catch us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, uh, on on Twitch at The Civ Show. We have various times, but you can catch us there. All our times are somewhere on those social medias, so you can find them there. Uh, And you can check us out on our Patreon uh, if you want to help us out produce the show. That is how you can do it. You get a lot of really cool perks there as well if you do uh, uh, help us out. We have tiers from four dollars a month to i think like fifty dollars a month if you want a custom postcard every month so like that's kind of cool uh up to you but every dollar counts and every civilization starts with a settler and that is our tier one patron name so if you want to be a settler go ahead and be a settler it's totally cool with us that it we good i'm good all right see everyone sunday 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 where it's gonna be van bradley and the civ show playing theological combat See you guys then. Have a good night. Yeah.